Hey guys, welcome back and thanks for joining me. I'm your host, Sherry. In 2009, recent college graduate Matrice Richardson was arrested for not paying her $89 tab at a restaurant. She was taken to the police station. Will they release her at midnight without her phone, her car, or her wallet? She was never seen alive again. This is the case of Matrice Richardson. This story takes place in California. Matrice Richardson was born on April 30th, 1985. Her parents are Latisse Sutton and Michael Richardson. Matrice graduated from South Hills High School and she went on to college and she ended up getting her bachelor's degree in psychology one year before this story takes place. Matrice was the first person in her family to graduate college. Her parents were so proud of her and showed her off a lot. She was their pride and joy. Matrice worked part-time as an administrative assistant, and she also worked as a dancer at an LGBT club. She was a lesbian and had a girlfriend named Tessa, and they had recently broken up. She also competed in a lot of beauty pageants. Matrice lived with her great-grandmother. It was just the two of them. Her great-grandmother's name is Mildred. In September of 2009, Matrice had been acting kind of strange to those who knew her. She was displaying a lot of signs of being bipolar. She was sending out a lot of strange text messages to her family, and her social media updates seemed out of character. Her mother texted her and said she was worried because she was saying such bizarre things. Matrice texted her mom back and said the following, Mom, I'm writing a book because you told me I could be anything I wanted. You told me I was Miss America. You told me I was America's next top model. Now do you know what I want to be when I grow up? Miss Mother Nature, because Miss America is a fake-ass joke along with everything else we see. So I'm trying to find my way to Michelle Obama to see if she will talk to Mr. Obama about creating my position within the White House. Her mom's response to this was, call me. So on September 17th, 2009, Matrice is out driving by herself, and she drives over to beautiful Malibu, California. She's driving along these winding, twisting hills, and she sees this really nice restaurant called Jeffrey's. Jeffrey's was an upscale, four-star restaurant with a view of the ocean while you eat. So she pulls into the valet section so she can get her car parked. The valet comes over and hops in to park her car. Well, Matrice walked over to the valet's personal car and hopped in it. And she's looking through his CDs and his glove box. He asks her, what are you doing in my car? Her response is that it's subliminal. He tells her, well, that's great, but can you please get out of my car? And she does. She says she is here at the restaurant because she wants to avenge the death of Michael Jackson. Michael Jackson had died very recently at this point. There's no connection between Matrice to this restaurant, and there's certainly no connection of Michael Jackson to this restaurant. She also starts quietly muttering about a woman named Vanessa who has sleeve tattoos. She says quietly that she has a crush on her, but Vanessa doesn't like her back. Vanessa ended up being one of her coworkers at the nightclub they worked at together. So to recap, Matrice is outside of this restaurant alone with the valet, and she's acting erratically. The valet warns the waitstaff that Matrice is coming in and be ready because she's acting strange. But remember, Matrice is harmless at this point. She's not yelling. She's not acting like an ass. She's just acting bizarre. 
So Matrice orders a cocktail and a steak dinner. She's eating alone, and she hears another table nearby with seven people sitting at it. She decides that this table was going to be her new friends, and she brings her plate over and sits down with them. She tells them she is from Mars. The table is going along with it, and they let her tell her story about being from Mars. So the waste, the wait staff sees this happening, and they come over, and they ask the table if they're okay. I'm not sure exactly how they said it, but it was kind of like, yeah, we see this woman came over, and she's acting strange. Do you want us to ask her to leave? The folks at the table tell the waiter that she's fine, and she isn't harming anyone. They were probably annoyed, but they were finishing their meals anyway, so they just kind of rolled with it. Keep in mind, Matrice is not drunk or on drugs. She's suffering from some kind of psychological episode. Matrice tells the folks at the table that she is heading to Hawaii and she would make sure to contact them once she arrives so they know she's safe. So the table is getting their things and they're getting ready to leave. Matrice starts heading towards the door. The manager stops her and says, wait, you have a bill you haven't paid for and it's $89. Matrice laughs and says the table should have paid it for her. The manager tells her, no, that's not what happened. I think Matrice is thinking that she is this guest visiting from Mars and that her new earthly friend should have paid the bill because she is their guest. Matrice tells the manager, welp, I am busted. What are we going to do? Matrice then takes out a joint. The manager contacted the Lost Hill Sheriff Station and says, We have a guest here who is refusing to pay her bill. She sounds really crazy. She may be on drugs or something. I think the restaurant was less worried about the bill and more worried about Matrice's unsafe to just release back to her car. She's also going around and talking to these other paying customers, and they don't want any drama there. But Matrice is still being extremely friendly and kind. She's just making a scene because she's acting bizarre. But she is acting euphoric and lucid and not hostile in any way. I also want to emphasize that folks who have mental health issues will behave a variety of ways, and this is just one of them. Remember, Matrice just graduated with honors in psychology. She's a very smart girl, and it's obvious she's just having some kind of episode. So while the police were on their way to the restaurant, Matrice tells the hostess that she was watching a soap opera earlier, and God told her to take the afternoon off. She also said she lived with her great-grandmother, Mildred. Well, the hostess called Mildred and explained that Matrice was here, she's unable to pay her bill, and she asked, do you want to come out here and pay this bill for her so Matrice doesn't get arrested? It's currently like 9 or 10 p.m. Well, Miss Mildred is 90 years old. She says, "I, you know, I can't drive out to this restaurant, but I can give you my credit card number. And you can just pay the bill using my credit card. But the restaurant wouldn't accept it because they require a signature. So they ask Miss Mildred to fax over a signature. Mildred, again, is 90 years old. She doesn't have a fucking fax machine sitting in her house and wouldn't know how to use it anyway. The police show up and one of them gets on the phone with Mildred and explains what is happening and that her great-granddaughter would be going to jail. They also told Mildred that her granddaughter was behaving very strangely. Well, Miss Mildred is just completely unfazed. She tells she tells them, you know, put my granddaughter back on the phone. Matrice gets back on the phone and she says, you listen to me closely. They're getting ready to take your black ass to jail. Matrice hangs up the phone and goes off to sit in the cop car. 
It's strange that Matrice isn't paying for her meal because her purse was in her car. Matrice isn't known to be someone who is broke. She has two jobs, one of them being a dancer. She buys herself a lot of nice stuff, and it was out of character that she wouldn't be able to pay for a meal. Matrice passed a field sobriety test, so she's not drunk and she's not on drugs. The police search her car and they find a very small amount of marijuana. This is 2009 and pot still wasn't medicinal or legal. Currently, it is 100% legal in California. But Matrice would get a ticket for it and, and she would need to pay a fine. It's not an offense that would result in an arrest. They also find her journals in her car and they look through them and they see that according to today's entry, she hasn't slept for the last five days. The employees inside Jeffrey's restaurant hear that the police found pot in Matrice's car, so they don't want to see her get another charge. So they decide they're going to put all their money together to pay the bill so they can show the police that it's paid, and that's it. She would then only be given a ticket for pot possession. There wouldn't be any arrest. Remember, Matrice is liked by all these folks she just met. She was kind to them, and she's smiling a lot. Well, they decide it's better if they don't pay for her meal because taking her to jail would be saving her, safer than leaving her by herself to her car. I can kind of see why they felt the way they did. The officers ask why she was at Jeffrey's restaurant in the first place, and Matrice said she was drawn there by the lights. They ask her if she's ever been placed on a 72-hour psychological hold before. She says no. Matrice also has zero criminal history. As a side note, there's a whole lot of discussions lately about defunding the police. I'm not going to get into all that, but I feel this would be a perfect example of a mental health worker coming out to handle the situation. The mental health worker would be able to determine that Matrice was having a manic episode and then she would be taken for an evaluation and then later charged with not paying her restaurant tab. So Matrice is en route to the police station, and she's in the back of this police car. Her car is impounded, and she's just riding along with this cop. Well, Matri Mildred, who is Matrice's great-grandmother, she calls Matrice's mother, Latisse, and said Matrice skipped her dinner bill and is being taken to jail. She also explained what the restaurant said about her behavior. So Latisse calls the police station and said, when is my daughter going to be released? She explained Matrice is not familiar with that area and she doesn't have her car since it was impounded. It was also really late at night. So Latisse has another daughter at home and she's only 10 years old. She doesn't want to wake her daughter up and drive an hour to this police station if Matrice was going to be held all night. I mean, if they were going to release her, you know, shortly, she would have no problem going out there. The dispatcher said, no, they would keep her here all night and release her in the morning. Latisse said, good, I would hate for, for her to wander outside and me wake up to the news that her head was cut off. Latisse is fine with them keeping her overnight. It's kind of like a tough love thing. The dispatcher assured Latisse her daughter would be safe at the station all night. At 5.35 the next morning, Latisse phones the police station and they said Matrice was released hours earlier. She was released from the holding cell and free to go on her own at 12.15 a.m. It's now been five hours. 
So the jailer at this police station knows Matrice's car is impounded. She knows her mother said not to release her until someone was there to pick her up. She knows Matrice's cell phone and wallet are in her car, which is impounded. Matrice is 40 miles from home. It's the middle of the night. There's no businesses within one mile of this police station except some warehouse-type buildings that are closed at night. The station tells Latisse she's fine. She pro- she's probably out in the lobby asleep waiting for you. Someone goes out to check, and there's no sign of Matrice anywhere. She walked off. Latisse asks how long is it going to be before she can file a missing persons report. The officer tells her he recommends 24 to 48 hours. Well, at this point, Latisse is crying and hysterical as any parent would be. Why did you release my child when I specifically told you not to let her go on her own? Remember, Latisse asked them if she was going to be released later on that night. And if she was, she would have came and gotten her. If it would be morning, she would get her then. As far as Latisse knew, her daughter was being held over overnight. The police officer tells Latisse, look, just give us a couple hours. We'll do some looking around in the area and we'll call you back when we find her. If we can't locate her, then you can file a missing persons report. They're implying that they're not a babysitting service. Latisse said she knows something is wrong. Her daughter's strange behavior lately, her depression, being released alone in the middle of the night with no car or cell phone. It's a perfect storm for tragedy. So about an hour after this phone call, the police receive a call from a guy named Bill Smith. Bill is a former reporter for a TV station. Bill lives about six miles from the police station. His house backs up to the Dark Canyon, and there's a lot of private hiking trails. He tells them, we had a prowler walking in the backyard this morning. He opened his window to ask the woman if she was okay. She replied, yes, I'm just resting. He gave it a couple minutes and then went back to the window and she was gone. Remember, his backyard backs up to like woodsy hiking type area. So he assumed she went in there. He described the woman as a slim black woman with Afro type hair. Matrice's hair was styled curly and big that day. So this is definitely Matrice. The police didn't issue a be on the lookout for another six and a half hours. A deputy goes to Bill's house and looks around the area, but there's no sign of Matrice. This was just a list, uh, the beginning of a list of shit that goes wrong with this investigation. The sheriff's department waited two days after Matrice's release to conduct its first search. They didn't even start at the police station with scent dogs to see if she walked off or had gotten a ride. They instead started the search at Bill's house, which is where she was last seen. They did find tracks from Matrice's sneakers that indicated she had been running, but the pattern was eventually lost. They didn't check the Dark Canyon. This case gets passed along to different agencies. Because Matrice was a Los Angeles resident, it went to them, but it was assigned to their robbery slash homicide division because they had better resources. But they made it clear this was not a homicide as far as they could tell. Her case was just assigned here because they have better technology when it comes to locating missing folks. They go out to where Matrice's Honda Civic is impounded and they find her journals, her wallet, and her cell phone in the car. Well, her family has gone out searching high and low. They're passing out flyers. They're doing their own searches, you know. They're on the grounds. Teams of relatives and friends put together their own searches. And now Matrice's parents, Michael and Latisse, they're just completely 
freaking out. You know, this is ridiculous. You know, their daughter got released in the middle of the night. She doesn't have anything, you know, as any parent would be. They're panicking. Now, Michael and Latisse are divorced, and they had been for over 20 years, but they put their differences aside in order to find their daughter. Something that bothered me as well with them releasing Matrice in the middle of the night is that three years earlier, this was the same police station that Mel Gibson was taken to when he got his DUI and went on that huge racist rant. You guys remember that? It was headline news for weeks. Well, when they released Mel Gibson, an officer took him to his car that was impounded. Just think about that. Mel Gibson gets driven back to his car that's impounded, but this young black woman in a distressed mental state doesn't get a ride. Instead, she's left all alone with no cell phone or wallet. I understand he's a celebrity, but there's a whole lot of bias going on here. It didn't take long before the press picked up on this case. Weeks turned into months. Her family is doing everything they can to find her. Her dad, I really like her dad a lot. He reminds me of Uncle Phil from the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air when you see him. Well, her dad is a former member of the Crip Gang back in the 80s and 90s, but he turned his life around years before, and he's doing really well for himself, and he hasn't been in any kind of trouble in a long time. Matrice's mother believes her daughter is dead. Her father feels differently. He is convinced that she is alive. He's out there every day following up on tips and sighting, sightings. Well, they get a tip that Matrice was spotted in Las Vegas. The guy that calls the tip in said he went to high school with Matrice and they had even dated briefly. He said he drove past her on the street. Well, he's back home now, and he sees a missing person case on the news, and it's Matrice. The police don't find this tip to be credible, but Michael Richardson isn't letting any tip not get looked into. He decides to go to Las Vegas, and he's going to check up and down the streets to see if he can find his daughter. This next part will really break your heart. He thinks he sees Matrice, and he thinks he sees her standing on a street corner. So he jumps out of a moving vehicle and makes it to the woman, and it's not her. It's devastating to think about what he must be going through. Here he thought he found his daughter, and he was so excited that he jumped out of a moving vehicle, and it wasn't her. So Lieutenant Scott Chu sends an email to his supervisor, Captain Thomas Martin. And in the email, he said that Deputy Larrero, who was the person who initially booked Matrice back at Jeffrey's restaurant, booked her because he wanted to make sure she was all right. She had been acting ditzy at Jeffrey's restaurant and a field sobriety test was given. She wasn't intoxicated. They wanted to bring her in for her own safety. Once she got to the police station, they noted she was well-educated and intelligent, and she also didn't have any criminal history. They thought there wasn't anything justifying keeping her overnight. This is one of the biggest missteps in this whole case. The deputy now states he doesn't remember sending that email. The family says, look, we know there's got to be a video of Matrice at the jail that night. Captain Martin said there was no video or tape of any kind. Four months later, Matrice's family sit down with Captain Martin and Sheriff Baca and tell them, wait a minute, we do have a video of Matrice's booking at the jail. It had just been kept in my desk this whole time. One month later, Captain Martin was promoted to commander and transferred to a different police station. 
Three months go by before Matrice's family is allowed to view the video of Matrice getting booked at the jail. Remember, it was kept in Captain Martin's desk for a month. Her parents watched it, and they said Matrice definitely seems agitated and distressed. She's pulling on her hair. She's grabbing a door and swinging it back and forth. Now, some of the video had been cut out. For instance, in one shot, Matrice is holding a piece of paper, and in the next frame, it shows the piece of paper is crumbled up in a ball on the ground. Her parents want to know why they won't show how the piece of paper got that way. The police will not comment on why the video was edited. The other mystery about this video is that it shows once Matrice is released, she walks out of the door and there is a shot of a police officer exiting out of a different door right afterwards. Matrice's parents want to know who this officer was. They won't release his name. Michael Richardson, her father, says the police need to start talking about what else is on that footage. This deputy was identified eventually and he was reassigned to a different police department. This deputy also said says he has nothing to do with the disappearance of Matrice. He was just at the station that night doing his job and minding his business. He was one of the only ones who didn't even talk to Matrice. I actually believe this deputy because Matrice was spotted in Bill Smith's backyard six miles away, and that was hours later. Remember, Bill looks out his window like, what are you doing in my backyard? And Matrice told Bill she was just resting. Maybe she was resting from walking all that way. This is just speculation, though. We don't know how Matrice got to Bill's house. You guys will like what Matrice's father, Michael, does next. So Michael is frustrated because of the lack of progress in the case. So he reaches out to the mayor, Andy Stern, and asks what more could be done. Well, Andy told him he was on his way to a meeting and he didn't have time to talk to him. So Michael knows that Andy is also a Malibu real estate agent who sells extravagant homes for millions of dollars. So Michael called him on his business line. He lies and pretends he's a famous football player and he is interested in one of his multi-million dollar houses for sale. Andy says, I'm on my way to a meeting, but I'll cancel it and come meet you right now to discuss the house. Well, Andy shows up and is mortified because it's Matrice's dad sitting there. Michael says, now that I have your attention, let's discuss my daughter's case. Well, this would be extremely embarrassing to him as mayor, and he doesn't want this getting leaked out. So he offers $15,000 as a reward to anyone who could locate Matrice. On January 9th, 2010, this is four months after Matrice disappeared, Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department conduct a 300-person search. It covered 18 miles of the Malibu Canyon. There was air and ground searches, but there was no sign of Matrice. Another search that took place was led by a guy named Maurice Dubois. He contacted Michael Richardson, and they arranged this two-day-long search. The reason Maurice reaches out to the family is because one year prior, his 14-year-old daughter named Amber Dubois was found raped and murdered, and now he dedicates his life to helping with cases like this. I'll do a podcast on Amber's case some other time. Over 100 people participated in the search. Unfortunately, Matrice still wasn't found. On August 9th, 2010, this is 11 months since Matrice walked out of that police station. 
Rangers were in the area of the Dark Canyon. The reason they were there is they were checking on this pot farm. I think they were gathering info for what was going to be some major pot bust. Well, they stumble upon the remains of Matrice Richardson. She was 24 years old. She was less than eight miles from the police station and two miles from Bill Smith's backyard where she was last seen. I'm going to go into the condition that Matrice's body was in. This is graphic in case you want to skip ahead. Matrice was found naked. She was partial skeleton, partially mummified. Remember, she's been laying outside for 11 months, so she's decomposed. There was hair connected to her skull. There was an earring. More of her hair was found nearby. Her right leg was caked in soil and had weeds sprouting from it, and it was found two yards from the body. The femur of the leg had been removed from the soft tissue as if it had been pulled from the top of the thigh. There was nothing but a narrow duct where the bone should have been. It seems vultures and coyotes had gotten to her body over the last year. It's hard for me to describe to you guys just how remote this location is. You literally can't walk through it without some kind of machete. So to secure a crime scene would be tough in this location. But that's the thing. They didn't secure a crime scene. The next few hours proved they completely shit the bed with this case. The rangers who found her remains called the L.A. Sheriff's Department. 80 minutes later... They arrive. It's only 1.30 p.m., so they still have six hours left of daylight. So there's plenty of time for the coroner to take photos, collect evidence, and carefully transport the remains to the medical examiner's office. So the coroner and his team are going to have to be airlifted to the site with their equipment. Remember, it's super hard to get to. You can't trudge miles through the heavy woods with forensic equipment. Well, the helicopter is currently in use by another team to rescue a lost hiker. The coroner wouldn't be able to make it to the scene while it's still daylight. The Los Angeles Sheriff's Department make a decision to take the remains back to the sheriff's station. Are you kidding me? Like they just put them in a bag and throw them in the trunk and now they're taking them back to the police station? This is the number one rule in forensics. Don't mess with the body. There's a whole lot of contamination going on here and the coroner is pissed. The coroner says there is a state code that says a body shall not be disturbed or moved from the position or place of death without permission of the coroner or the coroner's appointed deputy. This also gave the sheriff's department exclusive access to the crime scene for over six hours before they removed her remains without approval from anyone. You guys just think about that. The sheriff's state, they took the remains so that animals wouldn't get to them overnight. Well, she's been here for 11 months. Someone could have stayed the night next to the remains. They could have packed up and came back in the morning. There's so much error and the crime scene is super contaminated by this point. You've got a bunch of officers' footprints and DNA all over the place and then the body was moved. Higher-ups are now informed and they all agree that what the sheriff's department did was incorrect procedure. I truly don't think it was intentional. I kind of just feel like it was them just being naive and not really knowing. Maybe they've never dealt with a dead body before. The finding of her whole of her body was a complete fucking mess, though. They did take photos of her body and they were given to the coroner, so I guess they did one thing right. 
So the investigators sit down with Matrice's family and say the reason her body was naked was because animals had gotten to it. Although they can't explain how an animal is unable to is able to unbuckle a belt, unfasten a double hook bra, unzip jeans, and why they would carry her jeans 500 feet away. According to them, there is no indication of a homicide. They admit that yes, on the face of it, it looks like somebody abducted her. She was killed and her body was dumped, but the remains cannot tell exactly what happened. It's been 11 months. Any DNA from a killer would be long gone by this point because her body was exposed to the elements and the animals. Her family visited the scene of where her remains were found. They want to set up some kind of memorial for her there. Well, while they were visiting, a family member finds one of Matrice's fingers. This indicates sloppy, unprofessional work, and it had to be devastating for them to find. Could it have been the marijuana growers? Maybe she stumbled onto their field and they killed her. Latisse is haunted by guilt for not rushing to the Lost Hill station once she learned of Matrice's arrest. She suffers now from debilitating anxiety. At first, she believed the police officers were involved in her daughter's death, but now she believes differently. She thinks Matrice was having a psychological episode and someone found her and raped and killed her. Matrice's family filed several lawsuits against the sheriff's department for releasing her from jail after she was exhibiting severe signs of a bipolar episode. Her parents sued separately, and they were each given $450,000 apiece. There have been two investigations into the sheriff's department, and each one concluded there was no misconduct and nothing was mishandled. One of the sheriffs involved in this case is now serving a three-year prison sentence for lying to the FBI about abuse of inmates at the L.A. County Jail. He still insists that his department did nothing wrong in Matrice's case. Her body was exhumed in 2011, but it didn't give the family any more answers. Matrice was featured two times on the cover of People magazine. Matrice should have been put on a 72-hour hold or released into the custody of her mother. This started from an $89 bill that didn't get paid at a restaurant, and the restaurant decides they they didn't want to press charges after she goes missing. Matrice's final Facebook post that day said, I just want to sleep, LOL, but you know me and my crazy ideas. Let's see where they take me. I really don't have an opinion on Matrice's cause of death because there's not a lot of evidence, and I think finding answers would be difficult 11 years later. I agree with her mom that I don't feel that the sheriff's department killed her directly, but their actions... 100% played a role in her death. If they had been responsible and showed some compassion and just kept her in custody as they said she would, she would have gone home with her mother. Instead, she wandered off and was either found by someone bad or she hurt herself. Matrice is remembered as a fun, intelligent, thoughtful girl who loved life and she was a proud member of the LGBT community. Her father continues to fight to find out what happened to her. Matrice should not be remembered for the episode that she had at Jeffrey's restaurant. She was so much more than just a bipolar episode. That's it for this week. Remember, Black Lives Matter. The sources from this show come from LA Magazine. Rest in peace, Matrice. Let me know your thoughts on the case below. And as always, take care and much love to you all.